0: Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.MaconMessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message.
1: So I'll tell you, something... I've just been getting excited about, like, I get excited about sharing these messages um, more than I have in years. So I hope that as you are listening and engaging, I really hope we've been in Hebrews for quite some time. I say it a lot. We really are sort of, we've crested the hill. We're kind of on the downward slope. But every time I think we're nearing the end, I realized, you know what, we need a week dedicated to that, so it just kind of extends, but I I do hope that you are enjoying learning through this, and that hopefully, God willing, it's going to give each one of us, He will give us opportunities to utilize the things that we're learning together, to combat some of the things that are out there that are very damaging, not only to Messianic Judaism, but to the kingdom of God. So with that said, this is uh, the, the better not... Part of the better covenant, the better not. The better covenant is not this. That part of the uh, we kind of have gotten behind that. Okay, we we we've gotten that's behind us. So we're in front of it, Um, and we know for sure by now of all things we know that the new covenant is certainly better. We know that this, this thing that Yeshua has, this more excellent ministry, He is the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. And so, why are these promises better? And first of all, who knows what the promises are? Because a lot of people say, it's better. Well, why is it better? That's something we need to look at. That's something we need to understand if we're really going to understand Hebrews. But before that, over the last couple of weeks, we looked a lot at what the what, at what the what, at what the new covenant is not. Okay? So I have a true false test for you. It's very easy. I do need you to reply though. It won't be fun if I just say it. The old covenant equals the Torah. Thank you. The New Covenant equals the New Testament. Brit Hadashah is a good name for the New Testament. The Renewed Covenant is a good name for the New Covenant. The Melchizedekian priesthood of Yeshua has eliminated the Aaronic priesthood. Good, you're really doing well. Are you picking up a pattern here in all the answers? Good, 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 good. Here's a tricky one. Yeshua and the New Covenant have done away with the Old Covenant. False, but what's happening to the Old Covenant? It's growing old. We talked about it last week. It's growing old, and eventually it will become what? Big word we talked... Well, I wasn't here last week, so I forgive you for not remembering this word for word. The Old Covenant is growing old and is becoming obsolete. And we spent a week and a very extensive amount of time talking about old and obsolete and common sense in translation. Okay? So that's that's the past. That's where we've been. So instead of what it is not, today we finally get to what it is. I have a lot of Scripture that I have to share with you today. And I want to pretty much, I'm going to go through it pretty quickly because what I think you should do is just jot these Scriptures down, or you can go back and listen to the audio if you need to. But they're all going to be pretty closely packed together. But I do want to share a lot of Scripture with you because that is really the basis. The Word is truth. Isn't that what Yeshua says? Right, so if we read the word in context and by its actual meaning, then it is truth. And so that's what I hope we'll do today. So what is it? What makes this covenant better? It is the better promises. We know that for certain. That it has better promises. That's why it's better. That's why it's better. So every covenant has promises. And actually one of the, the only similarities between the New and the Old Covenant, one of the very few, is that it is an a agreement of sorts, two parties, God and us. Okay, The Old Covenant was God and people, and the New Covenant is God and people. That's a similarity. The rest of them, you've got to look Few, they are few and far between. But, but God made promises to Israel, and Israel made promises to God. God did His part. This is the old covenant. How did we do? Not so good. Right? Not so good. So God made a better covenant with better promises. For who? For us. True or false? Because He realized that He had made a mistake the first time and needed to correct it false good you guys are just really you pass you pass so we we are the ones who made a mistake we are the ones God never God didn't overestimate himself or his his Torah we overestimated ourselves by saying all that you've said we will do and we will obey. We're the ones who made the mistake, So he did something better. And what is happening and what we discussed in our last time together is that the, one of the great things is that God's making a change, but he's doing it in us. That's one of the major better parts of what's happening Is here is that he's doing a change in us. And it's still happening. And it's a change to us for us, and who is us? Us is me to you, you to me. That relationship under the new covenant will be perfect. But it's to us, me and God, you and God, because under the new covenant, that relationship also will be perfect because of the internal changes. So there's this marriage analogy that happens in covenants, right? The old covenant was a marriage. I will take you for my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. This is Exodus 6. This is before Sinai. This is before the Torah. This is before the Sinai covenant. This is when God hears and recalls what? The covenant of Abraham and says, I hear you. I'm coming back for you. I will take you to be my people. That's marriage language. That's a groom saying to the bride. And as you know, in Jewish weddings, there are two steps to the wedding. There's the betrothal and the consummation. There's erusin, which is the, the, the commitment, the, 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 the engagement. And then there's nisuin, which is the, the actual going through with it. And in between is the ketubah, which is the terms of the marriage, right? And the Torah was the ketubah. Of the marriage of God and Israel that took place. Does that make sense? Have you heard that before? Yeah, I think everybody knows that. But our commitment, our commitment to that was the declaration that said, God, you've taken us to be your people. We are engaged. We we see these terms and all of them we will do. And let's get married. And how did we do? He didn't even make it down the mountain before it was broken, shattered by the golden calf, literally shattered. The tablets were shattered. So that really didn't work out, but that is why, that is why the new covenant, which we read in Jeremiah, uses this language. Not like the covenant, which I made with their fathers in the day, took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them. Okay? So there's marriage language that's in these covenantal languages that are being spoke, spoken. But many of the promises in the new covenant have not been realized. So here's what I'm saying to you about all this kind of diversion from what I actually really want to talk about. There was a marriage on Sinai. Unfortunately, it was never consummated. And we're still waiting for that. And that final marriage is this covenant agreement. But these promises, these final things have not yet been finalized. And the relationship will be secured by these better promises. What are they? Let's get started with some of them. But realize also that this, when you talk about the new covenant, everybody goes direct. Well, first of all, most people in Messianic Judaism turn to the New Testament. Okay, we've already talked about that. That's not good. When you talk about the new covenant, most people immediately turn to Jeremiah 31. There it is Jeremiah 31 through 38 or so, and that's the new covenant. Is that true? Well, it is true, but the New Covenant is much broader than that. Starting in Jeremiah 30, we begin to read about it. Jeremiah 33, we're still reading about it. We can read about it in Isaiah. We can read about it in Micah. We can read about it in Joel. We can read about it in Amos. We can read about it in Zechariah. It's all over the place. But most of our focus today will be in Jeremiah because that is where Hebrews draws attention to the New Covenant in Chapter Eight. Last but not least, and by way of introduction, if you 're still awake, that was introduction. I must again credit Pastor Daniel Lancaster for his tremendous work on the new covenant that goes before me and undergirds what some of what i 'm sharing with you today because you know what I credit him especially because He, through all of this, I have never had more passion, hope, expectation, joy, gladness about being connected to Yeshua, and knowing what Yeshua has done, and knowing what Yeshua is yet to do. So I thank Daniel Lancaster on a number of levels for that, but let's keep this thing simple. Today, we'll talk about who, what, where, when, and why, okay? Who, what, where, when, and why, but to make it not totally simple, let's go backwards. So let's talk about why. Okay? Why better promises? Why the better covenant? Why a new covenant? All that. And here's your answer. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second for finding fault with... That means us. He says, and then the author quotes the new covenant. Why is there a new covenant with better promises? Because we could never figure out how to do our part. It's that simple. In Him, we are... You see, what happens is we try, we try, we've covered that because God in His grace sent His Son and in Him... We have this redemption from our inability to uphold our end of the marriage agreement. So, what do we become? We we become the bride of Christ. We become the the bride now. Really, what we should look like as the bride is under the umbrella of the righteousness of Yeshua, right? And when I say the bride of Christ, I certainly do not want to remove. Hashem, the Father from this marriage agreement, because that's really what it is. Yeshua is just, not just, Yeshua is the representation of God. He is the representation of the Father. And so this marriage relationship is still between us and the Father. Yeshua is is making that possible with His righteousness. But why did it have to happen? Because we stink, that's it. It's easy. Why? Because we're not good at our part. It's not difficult. We have received in Yeshua this internal, ongoing change that will be realized in the New Covenant and through these promises that we'll learn today. So easy. When. That was why. You got why? Remember this. Why? Because we stink. But we don't stink anymore. Now we're fragrant. Wonderful. When? Well, we've covered this too, but here's a hint. Okay? Stay with me. For behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel and Judah. The Lord says, I will bring them back to the land that I gave to their forefathers, and they shall possess it. Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 31. At that time. Not at this time, at that time, okay? Again, behold, the days are coming. This is Jeremiah 31, declares the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and the seed of beast. 31, 31, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Behold, he says, Days are coming when the city will be rebuilt for the Lord from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good word which I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah in those days. And at that time, I will cause a righteous branch of David to spring forth. He will execute justice and righteousness on the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved. Did you pick up a pattern there? When? Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. So, I'm going to ask you something. Are we living in the new covenant? Why? Because the days are coming. These promises are not realized. Now, is it any wonder then why I've driven this point home, 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 driven it home all Message, all series. For He did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. When? A time in the future. The world to come. The Messianic age in the world to come. This undergirds everything that's happening in Hebrews. The New Covenant. Behold, the days are coming. Okay? But Damien, you've missed the mark. The New Covenant is here. We're believers in Yeshua. We call ourselves New Covenant believers. Yes, I believe in the New Covenant. And I'm looking with great expectation to its fulfillment and realization. I am a New Covenant believer just as you are. But that does not mean that it's here now. There's another aspect of when that I want to look at in terming, terms of the um, New Covenant. Because this is important too. Related to time, how long will the new covenant last? I mean, is there going to come a time when we need a newer new covenant? Because that's certainly been the pattern up to this point. We're going to come back, but let me throw this in, Jeremiah 32, 40. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them. To do good, I will put the fear of me in their hearts so they will not turn away from me. Are we going to need a newer, new covenant? Mm, well, we'll talk about that. Okay, that's when. When? Well, let me hear you say it. Behold. Excellent. Thank you. Where? And I want to really ask you to dial in and begin to pay attention to the idea of replacement theology. And what replacement theology means as these promises relate to the ideas of replacement theology. And we all know what replacement theology is. The idea that the church has become the new Israel. The idea that the promise of God originally made to Israel has passed them by, passed them over, and has gone to the church. That that Israel has lost their status and God has disowned them. It's very important that you hear these things, read these things, and understand them through the lens of how a replacement theologian sees them. Okay, So I'm asking you to dial into that as we talk about where. Where we haven't found Actually talked about this, but if you can read, and you've ever opened the book of Jeremiah and read chapter thirty-one and following, you can figure this one out on yourself by yourself. Where? Israel, 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 duh. Israel, Jeremiah thirty-two, thirty-seven. Behold. I will make, I will gather them out of the lands which I have driven them in my anger, in my wrath, in my indignation, I will bring them back to this place. Where is that? Rome? Mecca? New York City? Macon, Georgia? It's Israel. I will rejoice over them to do good. I will faithfully plant them in this land. With all my heart, with all my soul, men will buy fields for money, sign and seal deeds, call in witnesses in the land of Benjamin. Where is the land of Benjamin? It's a tribe in, that's where the land is, in the environs of Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the lowland, in the cities of the Negev, for I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. Where? Israel. And furthermore, in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, it points. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the city will be built for the Lord from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate. This is the end of Jeremiah 31. This is, this is Jerusalem that we're talking about. So not just Israel, but there's a focus and a pointing to Jerusalem and the restoration of Jerusalem. Which is very, very important considering that we have a king coming back to Jerusalem. But there's more to that Jerusalem thing. Jeremiah 33, those days Judah will be saved. Sing it. In those days Judah shall be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell in safety Jerusalem will dwell in safety. This is the name by which she will be called. Adonites, HeKenu, the Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord: David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel, and and the Levitical priest shall never lack a man before me to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to prepare sacrifices continually. Let's play, let's connect two points. When When? Behold, the days are coming. What will happen? Where? Messiah will sit on the throne and the Levites shall offer sacrifices. Where? In Israel, in Jerusalem, in the temple. When someone says to you there will never be sacrifices again, Yeshua did away with the entire sacrificial system. Mark this down because if you believe the first one who in the room believes that God has set up a covenant with David where there will never be a throneless Jerusalem the Davidic covenant is right there David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel if you believe that you have to and add the and You cannot take one without the other. That I think is an amen. Because that is truth. That's what amen means. You're speaking the truth. That is the truth. And so many people don't know that. In Israel, in Jerusalem, in the temple, sacrifices will be conducted. And thus, Israel as the ware of the new covenant simply cannot be disputed if you believe the word of God. You follow me? Good. What? Oh boy, what? There, what the what? There are so many promises here. There are so many amazing things that are coming because, behold, The days are coming, says the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. First of all, it's a new, better covenant. It won't be like the one that was broken before. Secondly, Torah will be placed inside us. We spent a week talking about this, written on our hearts He will be our God as soon as I figure this thing out. He's our God now, but He's still waiting on me to figure out the remote. I will put My law within them and on their heart I will write it. The Torah will be within us. I will be their God and they shall be My people. Remember that language back in Exodus 6 in the marriage? There it is. I'm going to make it happen and He's going to do it. I will be their God and they will be my people. There will be a universal knowledge of God. I will be out of a job. You won't have to get up on Shabbat and come and listen to me talk anymore because everyone will know the Lord. And they will know Torah. All participants... In this new covenant, those who have access to these promises will know the Lord. They will know me from the least of them to greatest. And, like, man, that know me, that know me, that doesn't mean you can quote scripture to me. That doesn't mean you know the Torah. That means intimacy. You know me. I mean, you know God. You know him and you're knower, as they say. He's in your heart and you are connected. Israel, thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Israel will never cease from being a nation. Never. It's a promise. In the New Covenant. Jerusalem will be restored. Thus says the Lord. If the heavens can be measured. And the foundations of the earth search out below. Then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel. Israel. Contrary to any replacement theology statement. Will never be rejected. In the New Covenant. There's something interesting to note here. This is, um, he says, well, let me get back. Here we go again. Bear with me, please. It was working so well. I I can't do this without these because there's just too many scriptures. But at the end of Jeremiah 31, he talks about all he gives the geographic boundaries about how things are going to be restored, and Jerusalem is in those things. Now, what's interesting about that is when, when Jeremiah is saying to the people, Jerusalem's going to be restored. Do you know what's historically what's happening in Jerusalem at that time? It's being sacked by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army. The temple is about to be destroyed and he's saying, behold, the days are coming. Check it out. It's going to be cool. What's he doing? He's doing the very same thing that the author of Hebrews is doing with the New Covenant. He is offering to a group of people in dire straits some hope for the fact that God has not rejected them, has not forgotten them. And they will dwell in safety. Chapter 32, 37. Behold, I will gather them out of the lands to which I have driven them, in my anger and my wrath, my great indignation. I will bring them back to this place, and they will dwell in safety. What does that mean? It means that God has made a promise. There is an ingathering of the Jewish people into Israel as part of these promises. But now we get to one of my favorite things. And I want you to listen to this wording. They shall be my people and I will be their God and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that will not turn away from them to do them good and I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me I will rejoice over them to do them good and will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. Do you hear that? Let me help you get more excited about that. God will give one heart and one way an everlasting covenant. He will never turn from us, but you will never turn from Him. Because you don't have to, like, muster up the fear of God anymore. Everyone talks about, I'm living with the fear of God, man. i got the fear of God in me. No, you don't. You really don't. Or you wouldn't, like, you wouldn't have the problems you do. And me, too. I like to believe and I like to try to live with the fear of God. But a true fear of God would have you on your face and you'd never leave anywhere. You'd just be like this. Because if you moved in this world with your evil inclination and truly understood the fear of God, it wouldn't go well. But here, He's going to give it to you for your own good and for the good of your children. You will fear God in the healthiest fear and it will cause you to walk in His statutes he will put it in us and you know what psalm 111 says about the fear of god it's in the morning prayers every day yes what is it the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom you will finally husbands you should rejoice in this Your wife will no longer have to wonder if you have a brain. You will be wise now. She will even understand you. You want to talk about a miraculous promise. Husbands and wives will be able to communicate with one another and it will make sense. Ho Baruch Hashem. but man, this is it. This is the one. I will rejoice over them to do them good. Who's I? Who's I? I will rejoice over them to do them good and will faithfully plant them in this land. What's the first commandment in importance? Yeah, guess what? You want a better promise to get excited about? All of his heart and his soul in loving you. We're always working on loving God with all our heart and all our soul. No, he's going to do it. Oh, man, come on. Can you even imagine when God loves you that way and it's manifested in reality? Oh, man, I love that. Can you, I mean, rejoice over you rejoice over them i just can't imagine what it's like when god's giving me all of his heart and soul it's not that he doesn't love us immeasurably and how he loves us of course he does but this is even better and man man, those are some better promises no here's what i see at the end of it For thus says the Lord, just as I brought all this great disaster on this people, so I am going to bring on them all the good that I am promising. You know what I see here? I see like when my little blonde baby, Annabelle, did something that she wasn't supposed to do. And I had to take that sweet and precious little baby and discipline her for her own good. And that thing, this is going to hurt you worse than hurt me, worse than it hurts you? Well, probably not in reality, but emotionally. And then it's reconciled. And they come back to you and they have tears. And what happens next? Like, you want to break down or buy them an ice cream or take them to Disney World or do something and say, oh, I, just, I love you, I love you, I didn't want to, but... We're back. That's that. Those are promises, oh my gosh. That's the new covenant. But I skipped something kind of important in Jeremiah 31. How? How can this possibly be? How can God come into fellowship with us in the way that we are? For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. How can this be? Well, first off, let me just say this. That statement right there understood in its full scope. Let me, let me, let me tell you what is happening here. This is the nasty stuff. This is, this is the bad stuff. We're talking back to week 1 and 2 when we talked about moral impurity. You remember moral impurity versus ritual impurity? Remember the things that the, that the Levitical system has no hope of washing off of you? Do you remember the things that blood of bulls and goats could never take away? You remember those things that caused Israel to be exiled from the land. It wasn't that they came into the temple with like, you know, they had stepped on a corpse or something, accident on a grave, and they came in and God said, I'll never forget. It was how they treated their parents and how they treated their neighbors and all of the moral, disgusting, filthy things that we do as human beings that caused Israel to be exiled from their land multiple times that's also in the morning prayers after we read the sacrifices every day you read one at least the daily sacrifice as a remembrance of it and there's a little paragraph at the end that says god because of our sins you exiled us from our land those sins moral gross horrible sins and so if god is going to make the other promises come true That is that you'll be My people. I'll be your husband. You'll be in the land forever. Israel will be restored. Then those moral impurities, those moral sins, that filthiness is removed and gone forever. It has to be. It has to be. but how we've been forgiven before Israel has been forgiven before there was an exile there was a destruction of the temple there was an exile there was repentance and there was a return right the first temple to second temple it's happened before and we've talked about this in this series the cycle of sin I sin Israel I'm sin I'm horrible I'm bad okay I'm sorry God, forgive me. And what does God do in His grace? Forgives and restores. And what happens next? The sin cycle repeats. How can this be? Why why won't we need a newer, new covenant? We've talked about this. The reason is because What's going to happen won't be like anything ever before. The Torah will be written in your heart. The knowledge of the Lord and the Spirit will be your guide. And this Spirit of the new covenant has subdued your evil inclination. You win, finally, with Yeshua. And that is this last and very, very important promise Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good word which I have spoken, concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah in those days and at that time. I will cause a righteous branch of David to spring forth, and he shall execute justice and righteousness on the earth. Who is the righteous branch? He is Samach David. He is the branch of David. He is who we pray for every day in the Amidah. He will make this happen. And we will talk more about that. Much more about that as we end. And I'm going to end. But why? Why the new covenant, the better covenant? Because His people can't seem to get it right. So He fixed it. When, behold, the days are coming. Where? Israel. Jerusalem. The temple. What? Man, I hope you just got that. I hope you got that. And I hope that gets you out of bed in the morning with expectation. For how you might advance the kingdom of God today. Because that is what the participants will partake in but i've left one off i left one off what's the last one well i can't say them backwards all i know is who what where when and why there is a how there is a how but but we kind of that's that's connected with what i just read right there 33 going backwards who what where when and why why when where what who Who? Well, if you've been awake here today, even if you haven't been awake here today, I think subconsciously you could know who. Who are, who is being spoken to? Israel. Israel. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. Israel and Judah... Let's say Israel. Let's say Hebrews. Let's say the God, the Hebrews God redeemed in Exodus 6 and he's finished this thing up. The Jewish people. It seems very obvious, but there's a very big but. The traditional understanding that Israel has been replaced by the church that the sacrificial system has been destroyed, that the priesthood is no more, that the temple is terminated, suggests that so many people do not understand that to be the case and have rewritten the Word of God to suit them. And I understand it. I get it. Because when you read those promises and it's Israel and Judah and the Hananel Gate and, and my people in this land and I get it. But you cannot change the truth of it. There's an interesting Scripture in Jeremiah that says this. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, have you not observed what this people have spoken? Saying, the two families which the Lord chose, he's rejected them. Thus, they despise my people. No longer are they as a nation in their sight. What does that sound like? That's a word for Jeremiah's day, but buddy, let me tell you, that is a word for your day. And that is terrifying. To understand these promises as anything but promises to Israel is wrong. And here's how God answers what He just said in Jeremiah 33. Thus says the Lord, if my covenant for day and night stand not, and the fixed patterns of heaven and earth I have not established, then I would reject the descendants of Jacob and David, my servant, not taking from his descendants rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But... I will restore their fortunes and have mercy on them. Do you know what that is? That's God's answer to replacement theology in the Word. And so, and so, to who? To Israel. And it is the height of arrogance to assume that those promises can be stolen, taken, replaced, destroyed. And that God can change his mind on a whim. Paul cautions all believers in Yeshua against such arrogance. Because branches can be broken off. But that's not the God I serve. My God does not change His mind. He does not operate like some flake who, based on the emotions of the day, changes how He behaves or what He does or the promises He has made. And so, the way I see this, and it will ruffle some feathers, probably none in here. When I look at what's going on, when I look at what's missing here, it's certainly not Israel. And it's certainly not Judah. And it's certainly not the Jewish people or the Torah or the priests or the temple. What is missing? The nations, the Gentiles, the church. The only covenant I'm finding that's made with the nations was way back there in Genesis with a guy named Noah to begin with. And yes, through Abraham came blessings, but the covenant was with Abraham. So heavens to Murgatroyd, what shall we say about this? And I'm not the only one who asked this question. Because there's a whole community of Jews who came before me who asked it. And you can read their conversations and their difficulties and their dialogues in this great book called The Acts of the Apostles, who asked the very same question. And at our next gathering, we explore the betterest of the best promises of the new covenant. And if you are from a Gentile background, this is a story you cannot miss. Shabbat shalom.
0: We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nahumu Ami by visiting our website at www.MaconMessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.